Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Power Current with me, your host, Chris Berry. The Power Current is produced by Clear Commodity Network. My guest today is Frank Wunderlicht Pfeiffer. Frank is a journalist based in Germany who has done extensive due diligence behind the ecosystem of sodium ion batteries. Any of you who have listened to the podcast or heard me interviewed elsewhere will be well aware of the fact there is an increasingly acrimonious debate about sodium ion batteries and the potential to eat into the lithium ion space. I first met Frank on Twitter or X and consider him to be an authority on the potential for sodium ion batteries. During the conversation here, we cover a great deal, including the pros and cons of sodium ion versus lithium ion, where sodium ion could have an impact first, how the media and many analysts are underestimating or just plain missed the rise of sodium ion, and what the future of transport looks like for an electrified society. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and share. Have a great holiday, and we will see you in 2024. Frank, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Listen, I am I am particularly excited to record this podcast because I think that, you know, just for the sake of, of background for anybody listening, you and I have not ever formally met, or at least not in the flesh. I would say that we are Twitter friends or Twitter acquaintances or maybe ex-acquaintances now. And so, again, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on was because I consider you to be uh, one of the more knowledgeable, perhaps, dare I say, experts with respect to sodium ion battery technology. And and from what I see from my perch is kind of an emerging debate or maybe awareness might be a more diplomatic way to say it around sodium ion and its and its opportunities and challenges and so on and so forth. And so anyways, wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about that today. So yeah. with that, um, again, I always like to start these podcasts off a little bit on, you know, who you are and where you came from. So tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, uh, I have been a journalist for the last eight years um, after studying um, for uh, business administration and engineering degree. It's kind of a combined thing. It's quite popular in Germany. Uh, and then I decided to become a journalist uh, because uh, that kind of met my skill set. People had kept telling me that I write quite well. Um, and so I did that and uh, I wrote for technology. Uh, magazine more or less and um yeah i got a lot of requests on battery technologies and uh when i was studying in oh, 2010 around 2010 uh i suddenly realized okay i know a lot about how to make energy uh renewable energy nuclear energy and stuff like that but i had no clue about batteries and so i looked a little bit into it and uh, at the time, as I said, nuclear energy was a thing for me, and I was really interested in uh, fast breeder reactors at the time, uh, cooled by liquid sodium uh, metal. And uh, so when I read about uh, sodium sulfur batteries, high temperature batteries, granted degree Celsius, I think that's 600-ish Fahrenheit or something like that, um, really hot. Um, uh, it stuck in my mind, uh, but I had also vaguely remembered that uh, there was something that you could do it at room temperature, like a normal lithium-ion battery. But I had, I didn't have much clue at the time. Uh, but when I became a journalist, uh, I got a lot of questions on battery technology, as you know, very popular topic. Um, because there's always some sort of uh, supposed breakthrough, some sort of announcement by a company. 
um, that uh, it should be reported on. And so I had to read a lot into it. And uh, by the end of 2016, um, I decided, okay, like I should do an article, a roundup article on all the uh, supposed great new technologies that are coming up, uh, you know, like when they say 10 times better or something like that, you know, like uh, silicon anodes, um, lithium sulfur, lithium air, stuff like that. So I did that. And then I followed up it. I followed that up a month later with another article. Um, so what if there's no lithium? Uh, so what else is there? And I, I did uh, I did that and uh, got a, a little bit further into it. And my conclusion was at the time, well, lithium still too cheap um to to really get uh to really get this going um not because it doesn't work but in order to make it worthwhile uh you would need uh some sort of uh, better incentive than what was there at the time um even though like it was kind of obvious that um even in 2017 that uh the scaling would have to be so large and so rapid that there would almost inevitably be problems and uh, fun fact, in 2017, uh, CATL uh, made their first patents on uh, sodium ion batteries. So that was that was around that time. Um, and I would still say I was pretty late to the party. Um, uh, the first companies got started in around 2010, 2011. Um, Ferrari in 2011. Uh, they never had much funding. Uh, they, they ran on like a couple hundred thousand bucks a year. Um, and you can imagine that uh, with that kind of budget, you cannot do uh, industrial development. Um, it's not like uh, QuantumScape, who got uh, uh, a lot of money from uh, Volkswagen, like 300 million or something like yeah. that, uh, to do their batteries. And I mean, they now have a yearly production that you can fit in a shopping bag. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I, I think 60 or 80 cells or something like that that they want to deliver. Um, uh, but uh, when you look at what Ferradion did and what other companies did, um, uh, there was an RPE program in the US uh, to develop Prussian Blue because Prussian Blue came from the lab of uh, John Goodenough uh, in, in Texas. And uh, there was uh, Sharp Labs uh, did research on that between 2012 and 2015. And they developed it uh, to the point where you could just yeah use industrial equipment and, and make those batteries. Uh, and they worked. Um, so, and I think I showed I, that in the in the seminar, the pictures of that. Sure, absolutely. And so you you touched on a lot of I guess topics um, yeah. that I want to chat with you about. But maybe you know just sort of just to start. Um, by the way, thank you for that background. That's really interesting. So, where do you see this technology evolving first? I mean, in sort of what you had just mentioned, it sounded like. Okay, you know what? Back in 2016, 2017, the lithium price was low enough that the lithium ion battery was still the winner in a number of, of different applications. But now well, things I, have changed. If I, if I remember correctly, at the time, uh, lithium was pretty expensive uh, by historical comparison. Uh, there was a bit of a shortage, and that was, of course, alleviated in 2018 um after i think green bushes and some other no i think green bushes was there but the other the other uh mines yeah there were a couple of Australian others mines, that came uh, on so came where on, do you yeah. see the technology when we talk about sodium ions specifically like is it an ev story is it an ess story where do you see the technology kind of penetrating first and then kind um, of growing from there 
in the in the very very long run uh i would say that uh lithium uh takes up the the upper the upper portion the up the absolute upper crust uh that will always be lithium uh like you so know so for air, example airplanes sorry, uh, do... portable electronics uh where you need absolute the absolute maximum in in energy density got it um, okay so where, it's, where in other words nmc and lco like that's going to stay sort of that they'll have a lock on that market but what you're saying uh, is for some of the lower energy density op, op, the applications that's where it's we're sort of looking at correct the question is what is lower energy density because the whole field is evolving uh yeah. and that is true for both lithium and sodium and uh meanwhile the physics stays the same um it's uh, just because uh, batteries are getting better doesn't mean that uh, physics uh, is suddenly changing and you need better batteries to get uh, a longer range or something or the same range or something um so for example, in a couple couple of years ago, uh, people thought about LFP as a stationary thing and uh, basically unsuitable for for cars. And mm -hmm. uh, now we are seeing a lot of pictures of uh, the BYD Yangwang uh, U9, which is a sports car, looks kind of like a Ferrari or Lamborghini, and it has 100 kilowatt hours of LFP in there. And uh, it's it's faster than a, a Tesla S plate. <laughs> So That's when you talk power. about that, that's, I, I, I take your point. And I just wanted to yeah. come back to something you said earlier when we talk about relative energy density. And by the way, the physics staying the same, that's a really interesting way to think about it. But yeah. can you just give us an idea of sort of where we are today, uh, relative en energy density comparisons? So sodium ion kind of state of the art energy density relative to, let's say, LFP. Um, like LFP five to 10 years ago. Okay. That's okay. That's roughly the the comparison. Um, so it's it's absolutely. I mean, five years ago, you wouldn't have been surprised if you had said, uh, "Yeah, that's an LFP battery with that kind of specs." Interesting. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, that is uh, still going to change. I mean, every single company and every big company has announced sodium ion batteries. Um, has not just announced like a current generation, but also the next generation, and those will come online in next couple of years those will be definitely a lot better and because there's a lot about... of a lot of low-hanging fruit there sure sure absolutely and and what is it specifically within the sort of the actual physical um aspect if you will of a sodium ion battery that's going to increase the energy density are we messing around with the anode and the cathode again or what exactly everything. is going to increase everything everything, everything yeah both anode and cathode um you you have to imagine uh, as i said these companies uh that have developed that it had put some time into it um didn't have a lot of money and uh, so they had to use uh one they didn't have the opportunity to really optimize all the chemistries they have that's one uh, and the other is they had to choose the kinds of chemistries that you could uh plausibly just make with the equipment that was already there from the lithium industry and uh, without any additions and so it um it was a drop in technology uh, by force uh it's not like that's not a feature that, that they wanted to advertise that was just uh, they had no other chance it was either that or nothing and uh, of course they had to make some compromises along the way and uh if you if you look at the science if you look at the papers there were some uh there are definitely better ways to do it um so what about i mean we're talking 
sort of, I think it seems to me like everyone out on Twitter or just in the, when you go to these conferences, they sort of want to debate lithium ion versus sodium ion. And so you have to segment it across different, uh, to your point, end uses, electric vehicles, ESS, and even within, within EVs, to your point, there's, you know, different chemistries there. It's kind um, of funny because among the Chinese, you won't find these debates because, right, right. you know, it's like, so, um, okay, BYD, largest largest EV manufacturer, just is just saying, yeah, okay, we're going to use them. Um, CADL, largest battery manufacturer, was first uh, the first big one to announce them. Uh, Haina was the, who were the first to get them on market, uh, yeah. had a car ready, uh, in, a prototype car ready within a few weeks after that. So, so what do you, when you think about that, so clearly the Chinese are leading this, they're going forward. I yeah. think, you know, we're all aware of that. Aside from energy density, I guess cost is another sort of pro, if you will, in the, in, yeah. uh, with respect to sodium ion. Can you just talk a little bit about some of the pros and maybe even some of the cons? I mean, I've heard things like sodium ion batteries have a higher C rate so they can charge faster. I'm not sure if that's yeah. accurate or not, but any, any sort of pros that you have um, um, that you'd like to lay out, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, um, the sodium ion batteries are a whole bunch of technologies. Um, just like, you know, you have LCO and NMC and LFP, and uh, there are a lot of more, a lot more lithium chemistries that you, that you never heard of because uh, they never made it to market or they quickly disappeared from market. Uh, and uh, with sodium ion batteries, it's very, very similar. So you have these, you have so solid oxides, you have polyanions that are, uh, some of which are very high power capable. Um, you have those Prussian blue batteries um, that are somewhere in the middle of it, but uh, are potentially very cheap. Um, and, you, and we're talking about the cathode side of the battery, correct? That's the and cathode we'll side. About blue. The anode okay. side, yeah. The the anode side is mostly hard carbon, uh, which has been developed since the '90s and uh, is very established. Um, if you want uh, a very simple battery, you can make it with almost anything, uh, from corn cobs to coconut shells. I think there's not a single plant that hasn't been used for that. Um, <laughs> or, mm. you know, uh, I I like the example of spring onion peels that somebody did in a lab. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, you could also use coal or uh, other precursors that contain carbon and that you can carbonize. And if you use the right ones, you can get better or worse uh, performance. And if you do some special treatments, uh, you, it can get even better. And uh, yeah, uh, lots of different ways to do it. Lots of different sure. ways to improve it. Um, yeah, uh, advantages. Um, most of the advantages in terms of the lower cost is, of course, uh, by design. Um People are interested in in making materials that are quite cheap, um, because you know you already get a little get rid of lithium, um, and you're getting rid of uh, the copper because uh, copper is um, uh, aluminum is not compatible with lithium, and so in the anode, and so you have to use copper in the anode with all lithium ion mm -hmm. batteries, and uh, with sodium uh, aluminum is no problem, um, so it gets used which is also cheaper and uh, meanwhile i mean sodium is a bit heavier it's a bit bigger it's a little bit lower voltage and so there's always a little bit of a downside with sodium um at least so long as you're using uh like the metals like iron or nickel or manganese or something like that as uh along alongside it um it's not a 
big impact uh where you are going to see um the serious impacts from from the size and weight of sodium uh is only when you compare it to something like uh lithium sulfur when you compare lithium sulfur to sodium sulfur um then there's a big there's a big hit from that because uh sulfur is very light and you have like two sodium or two lithium uh atoms per sulfur atom and so uh, suddenly it, it makes a huge difference whether you have like a very light lithium uh, atom or a very heavy or three times heavier uh, sodium uh, atom. And on top of that, the voltage is lower. And so the, the extra hit from the lower voltage of sodium uh, is even worse. And then, you know, suddenly, suddenly uh, it, it actually is worse. But uh, yeah, lithium sulfur is still nowhere. Uh, so far, uh, I mean, they're they're just kind of run, trying to. They keep running to keep up with uh, what is happening with NMC and so on. Uh, in theory, lithium sulfur is going to beat them at some point, and I I'm very sure that they are going to do that. But right now, um, uh, with NMC, uh, NMC is still running ahead a little bit, but uh, that's that's going to stop because there's some uh, there's some physical limitations there. <laughs> So, so I want to make sure I understand. You're you're saying that your it's your belief that lithium sulfur will ultimately outcompete and take market share from NMC at some point in the future. Uh, well, definitely for something like airplanes. Um, okay, it, it's uh, you know there are some there are a lot of different applications and you right. know, at some right. at some point even more energy density doesn't give you too much uh, in return, uh, especially if you have to add a lot of cost to it. Um. What we are going to see with sodium uh, is basically it's going to take over the the LFP market for the most part, um, at least in, in things like automotive applications uh, where cycle life. I mean, cycle life is probably uh, in the long run similar to lithium, but right now it's a little worse. Uh, it's it's still better than NMC, but it's a little worse than LFP. Uh, you know, it's like um, this technology is still quite quite new and uh in order to fully optimize it to get the full potential uh it's going to take a few more years but they have made it to a point and made all the appropriate compromises to get it uh in a state that is ready for market and so this this is the yeah. key i think controversy right and and it's something yeah. that and if i'm just going to paraphrase and tell me if i'm off base but effectively what you're saying and i think what other um proponents of sodium ion also would say is that okay sodium ion is going to take market share or perhaps you know significant market share from lfp much the same way that if you go back a few years ago lfp has kind of continued to take market share from nmc and perhaps nca uh that's quite possible yes um okay all right and I mean, uh, is this an EV story, or do you think it starts in energy storage first and then permeates? I know, and I, I want to talk about some of the players you mentioned: BYD and CATL and Ferdion in a minute. But um, where, where does this start? Like, do we start with ESS and then and then goes EV, or the other way around, or a little bit of both? Right now, right now, it's like a small scale, really small scale stuff because uh, the production scale is uh, too small to yeah. to get large scale EV production. Uh, simply in terms of gigawatt hours available, you just don't. You yeah, just do you have any idea the, on? The sorry, I keep right interrupting now. you, but I keep coming up with these questions. Do you yeah. do you have any idea on current sort of gigawatt hour capacity for sodium ion? Uh, single digit. 
Okay. Let's keep yeah. it that way. Uh, I mean, the the growth rates in terms of uh, in terms of um, production capacity is quite healthy. It's something around a thousand percent. Wow. And uh, I mean, I don't know how long this is going to stay that way. <laughs> Obviously, oh, not too like long. That but... Low base, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, end of last year we had uh, we had uh, about one gigawatt hour, a bit more than one gigawatt hour per year, like uh, ready. Um, but uh, that's obviously changed in the course of this year. Um, and you know, it, it's going to, it's going to grow quite fast. Um, I mean, you, I mean, people got scared last in the last couple of years, uh, the lithium industry just couldn't deliver. And everybody is, uh, has been saying that, uh, yeah, um, we look at the demand for batteries and no, we cannot keep up. We see a structural right. deficit. Uh, everybody has been saying it. Um, they said it as something that's positive. They said it as, hey, look at it. Uh, lithium prices are going to be great. Uh, invest in us. Um, but of course, uh, those aren't the only people who, are, who think that's great. Everybody else thinks high lithium prices and uh, lithium shortages are bad. And so um, it's obvious that you're going to look for substitutes. That's, that's, like, that's how markets work. <laughs> I mean, nothing cures high prices like high prices. And so... Yeah. You know, if you're a mining company, you, you love it when lithium is at twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a ton. But of course, a battery manufacturer or an OEM hates that. And so that's the paradox. I mean, you need yeah. low prices. Also for these further downstream. Really... Everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk a little bit now about some of the players. You mentioned CATL and BYD and a couple of others. Um Maybe just a little bit on kind of how you see the landscape today and how you see it evolving. I mean, I guess the, the core question I'm trying to answer here is, you know, is sodium ion for the foreseeable future, is this a China story? And then maybe in five years, you know, it starts to permeate throughout the West or do you see things happening faster? Just your thoughts on kind of the market structure. Something along that line, yeah. Um, right now, right now, there's a lot in China, of course. Um, you do see Faradion in India, but India doesn't have a uh, well-built-out battery uh, ecosystem uh, like China. I mean, China is the only country that has that. Yeah. Um, uh, you do see some developments in Europe. Uh, in uh, yeah, which is all small scale, but. Yeah, Northwall did, and uh, Tiamat also, uh, which is just high power. Do you think there's anything to the Northvolt announcement, or is it just kind of they're trying to differentiate themselves a little bit? Uh, this has been in the works for a while. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're they're trying to to line it up, but you know, Northvolt has a lot of different technologies. Um, you know, with Kuberg and uh, some others. I mean, sure. Kuberg is is their is their high performance, high energy density uh, branch, and yeah, yeah, and uh, we're definitely going to see similar developments for sodium because um, uh, sodium ion batteries, as I said, is technologically almost the same as lithium. Um, technology goes back to the nineteen eighties. Uh, was absolutely developed alongside lithium. Um, uh, there was never there was never a time where where sodium was new. It was always used alongside it. Um, it's just that you know when 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 these batteries came in, on market in the nineties, it's obvious that you would use uh, whatever is best because the manufacturing cost was overwhelming and material cost was nothing. Um, so it's a it was always I was just my question that 
that I was thinking of as you were just talking was, so where did the fortunes for the two uh, products diverge? And it seems like it was a cost issue, right? Lithium always allowed yeah. Chinese players or whoever to just operate at a better margin. Yeah. Um, as soon as uh, manufacturing costs come down to the point where they are uh, roughly in line with the uh, with material costs, with raw material costs, uh, you are going to see a switch. And you saw that with NMC, uh, with the switch to LFP. And now we're seeing that again. Uh, also, I mean, really precipitated by the by the extremely high prices. I mean, you, you're not going to see a price rising by 1,500% and not to see some consequences from that. Right. And right. Uh, uh, yeah, manufacturing costs uh, are something that keeps going down in every industry. I mean, you, you also see it in the in, uh, solar industry. I mean, I, I got interested in, in nuclear power because I thought that uh, solar is going to be too expensive. If I had known that uh, by now we're going to talk about uh, like uh, 10 gigawatts for $1 billion, uh, which is like the, the low cost uh, price now. Uh, I would have not, <laughs> I may not have looked into it so closely. Different. Um, you know, uh, it's, and the, these costs really do keep coming down. Uh, learning curves are kind of real, uh, also economies of scale, of course, but mm -hmm. um uh, all these processes um, can be improved, and there's there's always lots of little things that are you know you can use different materials, different processes um, that that can make uh, production easier and cheaper and faster. And I know it's that's a small just market. Keep it go just ahead, keeps sorry. happening. <laughs> no, yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say I know it's a small market. I mean, is there any? production of sodium ion to speak of outside of china i mean i you were talking about solar and how the price yeah, obviously crashed i would argue like one of the reasons why the solar price has crashed or you know the recent decades or years or what have you has to do with the fact that you know the chinese model i think is build capacity no matter what and i'm just wondering do you think we're going to see something similar with respect to lithium ion and and further to that to sodium ion where there's just so much excess battery capacity that it pulls prices down. And, and maybe that's the gateway to your point around, you know, sodium ion uh, penetrating the market more than people think it could. So do you think it's yeah, an excess it, capacity issue in China eventually? or uh, As far as I know, there already is. I think, yeah. uh, I mean, utilization had, has been uh, fairly low, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is always the case in, in rapidly growing markets because, uh, you know, you, you're bringing you're bringing new capacity online and it takes a while to spool it up so the utilization is quite low um and uh yeah i mean batteries are a commodity and they are needed everywhere uh, I, I the commodity is not lithium the commodity is batteries that's what people need <laughs> and yeah uh, uh you know prices will come down and you you it will behave like any other commodity and you will see these cycles where uh, these boom and bust cycles where new technology comes on uh, and uh, companies are profitable for a while and then prices come down and uh, suddenly everybody is screaming that they are not profitable anymore and cannot make money and go out of business if they can't keep up with the new technology, which is the next technology that they can make some profit again. Uh, which is the story that you see uh, in solar. You can see it, uh, I mean, famously in the computer space uh, with uh, RAM, random access memories, uh, which is, has always been that boom and bust. Uh, hard drives were a similar thing. And I'm very sure that 
the same thing is going to happen to batteries because it's a very similar kind of commodity that's just needed everywhere. Um, but you're sure. also going to see a lot more a lot more applications than you currently have. I mean, we have now seen the first container ships that are fully electric, uh, kind of large-ish. I mean, um, if you stood in front of it, we would say, yeah, that's a large ship. Um, but 750 containers is not large in terms of uh, uh, container ships. Uh, they go up to 24,000 or something like that. But uh, this is for, for coastal and river uh, supply. And that's uh, it's a very decent ship. It's more than 100 meter, like uh almost four almost 400 feet long uh so it's a it's a big ship <laughs> and so batteries are the key but i guess again coming yeah. back to the debate do you think that'll be lithium ion to start and then we go to sodium or or something else uh obviously right now it's lithium um and uh they're going to switch to sodium as soon as it's cheap enough uh and this is uh going to happen as soon as it scales up because economies of scale right now are not there um and uh, LFP is getting quite cheap uh, because there's uh, kind of a bit of an oversupply issue because uh, demand has fallen because there has been a lot of demand destruction uh, in in the high price era. And now there's the, the economic crisis in China. Um, so there are some headwinds there, uh, but uh, as it as it scales up, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Who do you think would adopt, I mean, as we sort of think, again, out over the next, say, five, six, seven, ten years, clearly, at least now, you know, sodium ion is a China story. And as yeah. I think we found out whether or not it's solar or lithium ion or any other, you know, basic technologies, they get developed, subsidized there, and then they permeate throughout the rest of the world. Mm. At least the the scale, you can argue that some of these other technologies may have been developed elsewhere, like the US or the EU. But if you were sort of thinking through automotive manufacturers or potential end users in the Western markets for, in other words, a Western-based manufacturer, who do you think would be the first or among the first to adopt sodium ion technology in their, in their EVs or maybe in ESS? And taking that one step further, I know, again, I said we wanted to avoid China, but CATL has talked about blending sodium ion and lithium ion. Do you see something like that happening in Western markets. So kind of a two-part question, who do you really see kind of embracing sodium ion technology in Western markets, number one? And then number two, what do you think that looks like? Um, I think whoever is really scared about uh, strategic uh, resources uh, because uh, access to, you know, things like graphite, graphite doesn't work for sodium. So uh, it's uh, it's a non-starter. You, you have to use something else anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Same for copper, uh, nickel, cobalt. Uh, of course, you can use nickel and cobalt in sodium ion batteries, but it's not very popular. Um, and yeah, obviously, if you if you're really if you're really scared about having access to these resources, uh, then you're going to do that. Um, also, uh, it's potentially low cost, lower cost, um, and. It, don't forget, this has once been, just like LFP, uh, U.S. technology had been developed there. Uh, and I, I think someone's going to do it. Um, the crucial thing is that um, it has to be a manufacturer that has a good battery pack technology. And that's also something that uh, was uh, uh, pioneered in China, uh, of course, because the, the Chinese um, the Chinese looked at the battery packs and said, Okay, those are terrible. Um, if you looked at uh, when I first heard uh, that uh, a 
a typical uh, EV battery pack like Tesla was using or Volkswagen or anybody um, with NMC uh, had like 40% volume was batteries or even less and the rest was uh, essentially air or some sort of structure some sort of structure or cooling material or isolation material or something like that um, I, I thought they were kidding I mean like 60% wasted space at least I, I really thought there was like some anti-EV guy who's trying to spread propaganda or something like that. Uh, no, they they really are so so bad. And uh, uh, the first um, uh, CTP sort of pack uh, packs had like sixty percent uh, cells, and we are now seeing even better numbers uh, with with the newest generations. And you need that for sodium because they're a little bit bigger. Uh, the cells are a little bit bigger and uh, you need efficient packs and if you have those efficient packs and uh, I see like our next energy for example is making pretty decent packs I mean not up to Chinese levels yet but yeah they're they're getting at least better than what you usually have um, then you can absolutely use those and as I've said uh, it, you know any car with standard range can use those that's interesting. What about um, even in the know, first generation? This going sure. to change. <laughs> this well, going to, to change your point, rapidly. It's happening in China today, so there's no reason to believe that it, you know, that it couldn't yeah. permeate throughout the course of this decade. What about recycling? Um, you know, there's a lot of buzz. I've done a lot of work on lithium-ion battery recycling. So again, that's you could argue it's just a more mature market relative to sodium-ion. Can you recycle sodium-ion batteries? I mean, I would assume as as the technology scales, it's something that's going to have to be be reckoned with and better to reckon with it today before the market gets much bigger potentially correct yeah um yeah it's the same it's the same deal as with lithium ion batteries um of course there's the question um how much are the materials worth mm -hmm. um but yeah. um if you if you have like a regulation to that a certain percentage has to be recycled uh then it will be done um and which is which is in Europe? That's on the lithium side. That's that's where we're going. So, interesting. yeah, uh, but this is pretty much tied to uh, to strategic resources, um, right? So you you might see like getting exemptions for that, or not, because uh, the um, what is inside those batteries is not always uh, very nice, and so you want these materials out of uh, out of the waste streams. Um, and you know you can recycle electrolytes. Uh, you can also recycle the aluminum foils, um, and of course uh, anode and cathode material. Uh, of course, it it depends on how much worth that is. Um, also on the quality of the materials. Uh, I mean, if you want to do direct recycling. You're probably not going to want to recycle first generation uh, anode material uh, five or ten years down the line because uh, the new stuff will be a lot better. On the yeah. other hand, uh, first generation materials will not be produced at very large scale because they will be replaced very soon uh, before the uh, before the industry is going to scale up. So this is not going to be much of an issue. And then uh, on the cathode side, it really depends on the on the exact material you ha you're dealing with. Got it. Well, listen, you mentioned you're a journalist and you had done some writing um, on the top on sort of the battery business back, you know, in the olden days of 2015, 2016, 2017. Where can we read some of what you have written? 
Uh, most of that on GolemDE, uh, which is of course in German. Um, I haven't, I, ha I really haven't published very much in in English. Uh, I did an article on intercalation station uh, in English, but yeah, that's about it. I I do want to do a newsletter sooner or later. It will happen. Um, it's going to happen, uh, and I I do have a Substack that's called uh, what did I call it? I called it Superlytic. Um, like Neolithic, but Neo but the archaeologists already had something called Neolithic, the New Stone Age, uh, and so, so I had to find something else. So it's called Superlithic. You know, yeah, we'll exactly. put that in the show notes so people can can link. Yeah, to it. it's That's going. Sure. It it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist yet, but it will. Uh, okay, it will at All right, some point. Excellent. And so, what about you're on X? Obviously, you're on X because that's where we first yeah, met. So, uh, what's your handle there? I still call it Twitter. So do I. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely find me there. Um, uh, you will probably okay. link my name there, and yeah, just uh, ask me there. Uh, I'm not terribly active on LinkedIn, but uh, I, I exist. Excellent. Good to know. Well, listen. Any any parting thoughts on sodium ion or sort of the future or anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, I have, I have really been wondering uh, how how these things are happening because if you go back in the history of the uh, of the batteries, um, and you look at things like NMC eight one one, and you can find articles from twenty eighteen uh, when this was just starting to hit the market, like. Uh, I think at the beginning of 2018, there was like 1% of the market was NMC811 or something like that. And uh, there were a lot of opinion pieces that said, um, yeah, this technology is going to take until 2025 to get any traction. Um, while, and they, they had a reason, and the reason was uh, not absolutely bad. And they said um, that uh, it it's even it's more temperature sensitive and you would have to use better better cooling um to uh, to really make use of it in evs which on the one hand is right and on the other hand is wrong because tesla had been using nca uh nickel cobalt aluminum uh, also nickel rich uh, and this was even even worse in terms of uh the the sensitivity to temperature and uh you you didn't you didn't need any any sophisticated model of your battery and the battery material and the thermal properties and uh, uh, and the battery pack and so on um, to see that uh, of course you could use NCA uh, NMC eight one one in a battery pack like like Tesla was using for example and uh, so it should have been clear to everyone that uh, this would catch on very quickly because it was cheaper, it used half as much cobalt, or even less than half uh, the amount, had higher energy density. Uh, and uh, so I I don't understand how that happened. Um, and with LFP, it was similar. Um, of course, um, I, I, I have to say, until 2020, I really only looked at the at the basic technology how does the technology work at the science more or less i didn't have much idea about the industry as a whole um until 2020 roughly um but in 2020 lfp came out uh the the new battery packs came out and it was kind of obvious you you could just do the math what kind of energy density you could achieve and um what and you could compare that to existing EVs, and you could have an idea what kind of performance you could expect from that. All very simple math. 
and all you could right. have done all this math and people were saying no LFP is going to disappear. As late as 2021, I saw somebody uh, with a very nice British accent uh, saying that uh, no, it's it's a mirage. It's going to, uh, it's all going to disappear, uh, even though it had a market share of uh, 25% or so at the time. You want to um, watch out for those British accents. They can be they can be tricky. Yeah, you know, I think that, I mean, look, you're absolutely right. Sort of 2019, 2020, the narrative was LFP is good for buses. It's good for fixed route transportation. It's going to be a China story, you know, maybe yeah. 20, 25% of the overall cathode market in 2030, right? And that is, of course, to your point, completely changed. Um, yeah. My own view is that it's sort of a 50-50 split by 2030 between LFP arguably right um lfp and energy dense more higher nickel energy dense chem chemistries right certainly for automotive and so um this is one of the things that i think makes the sodium ion debate so interesting and one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on because if you just think about how the narrative around lfp has changed just in the last 18 to 24 months I mean, who's to say that things can't change with respect to sodium in the next 18 to 24 months as well? I mean, it's not a prediction by any stretch of the imagination, because to your point, I think one of the things that we've learned in the last few minutes we've been chatting is, yes, there are pros and cons to every battery technology, right? And I think every battery technology is going to find its niche. But that's one of the things that I think, you know, creates the opportunity along this whole space. So yeah. with that, I will I will let you go. You're in Berlin, and I know it's uh, late in the evening for you. So anyways, Frank, thank it's you right. very much for your time. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, we're here. Thank See you, ya. sir. This episode of The Power Current with Chris Berry is not to be used as investment advice. It is for informational purposes only. The Power Current, its parent company, Clear Commodity Network, our guests and affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decisions. Please speak to a licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions.